You're listening to Drinking on the Job, D-O-T-J. I'm your host, John Coyle. Drinking on the Job is a toast to the culture of food, wine, and all things fermented. We'll be talking with winemakers, musicians, artists, late-night bartenders, scoundrels, and more. It's time to grab a glass before its last call. Here's your masterclass on Oregon wines from a true insider, AJ, who spends his days writing about and finding some of the best and under-the-radar producers. He also has his own app, Wine Notes. Today, it's all things Oregon. I'm hanging out today with uh, AJ Weinzettel. If you love Oregon wine and want to do a deep dive and find the absolute best out there, you need to follow him and get his newsletter, which we'll tell you about at the end of the show. Hey, AJ. Hey, John. Thank you so much for having me on today. Yeah, this is kind of cool. I, uh, You know, our paths crossed. Uh, uh, we should mention when I was did a couple of great interviews with Double Zero and uh, Teutonic and... Uh, we started following each other, and uh, now you have a podcast, and so we're brethren uh, of the grape, and uh, uh, so it's, it's very cool. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it is it is awesome how the, the wine world is so huge, but yeah, it's it's small on so many scales as well. Totally true. Uh, I love what you do, though. You're so um, singularly focused on Oregon, um, and it is uh, they make such fantastic wines we're going to get into. But uh, let's start how you got into the business and how you go from the tech business, ones and zeros, to Shard, uh, Pinot, and more. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, it, it, moving from Tennessee to Oregon, uh, I was thoroughly introduced, you know, to wine just in general, right? I, I didn't grow up with wine or anything of that nature. And so it was just kind of a, a slow a slow progression of knowing more about wine. And then once, you know, you get a little bit deeper, you get a little bit deeper. It's uh, wine itself is this magical, well, obviously a, a social glue, but also it is, it is so technical on so many realms. And it, you know, being in the tech industry for like 30 years now, it just, it totally fed my side of, you know, that, that side of my brain. And I just, right. I couldn't stop. I just like, I want to know more. I want to know more. I want to know more. And just, it just, you, it just you, never ends, which I love. Yeah. You went down the rabbit hole. So how do you end up in Portland though, or, or Oregon in general from if coming from Tennessee? What gets you there? Well, back in 2001, I went to a, uh, a Novell uh, technical convention mm. and well, I kind of fell in love. And so the person I fell in love with was here in Oregon, and eventually I just moved up here to Oregon, and that's how I ended up here. It's always about a woman, by the way. Oh, it yeah. is. <laughs> but, but that's how I got into the wine business. I fell in love with a woman who loved wine, and I was like, I have to now be the best at this. Uh, but it was because of a woman, and that's a great thing. That's a really, really good thing. Uh, so you end up in Oregon, and was there a specific bottle? Like a lot of people have a bottle they can name, and they're like, you know, the the trumpet started playing and I was like, oh my God, what is this? And then the deep dives followed. It, you know, it wasn't necessarily a, a bottle. I went to a, a barrel tasting oh. and it was, it was that barrel tasting that just, so it's like, that's, that's it. I, I just want this. And mm -hmm. that was a, a 2014 Florida Lee from Domain Serene. 
Oh, very good producer. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh-huh. uh, it was amazing. And so what happens after that? You're like, how do I get in this business? And you just started talking or was there something you saw missing in the wine business that you're like, oh, I have a, I have a, a niche I can, I can go into. Um, what happens there after Domain Serene? Yeah, well, following that, I, I, wanted, I, if, I, I wanted to explore Oregon. I wanted to know more about what's out there and just explore, right? That, that whole sense of exploring to see what's out there in the world. And so I started to try to find where, where should I go? What should I do? Where, you know, what direction should I lead in? And I was trying to find, you know, somebody, something that would provide recommendations that would tell, tell me kind of where to follow. And I didn't see any of that out there in the world. So I was like, okay, well, let's let's see what we can do here. So I, I'm a big Tim Ferriss fan. Oh, I am too. Yeah, he loves all of his, you know, the his long form blogs, you know, long form interviews. Yeah, his Friday newsletter is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And so I was like, I let, let me write a newsletter and let me be different instead of everybody else. And I kind of followed, you know, the progression of what Tim Ferriss does go mm-hmm. long form. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll get, we'll give uh, people all the address for that at the end. Cause it's, it's so well written and, and it's not, it's, uh, I mean, there's technical information cause there has to be, but uh, you really are looking for a cool story and be, being a storyteller um, and through the newsletter. I, I, I appreciate that. I, I'm a huge fan of memoirs and stories, mm-hmm. and I just I get sucked in. I just I love sharing those stories. So if if people people are listening who just drink Oregon Pinot but don't understand the scope of the geography and the soil and stuff, give a broad perspective of like get you that what gets you up every day because there's so many little valleys and microclimates. So give people a broad perspective of what you're hunting for, what you look, what you what you find fascinating, or just an overview of Oregon in general. So, again, it, it's it's really about exploring. Mm-hmm. Oregon has so much to mm-hmm. offer in in the world of wine. Mm-hmm. Um, when you when you, I mean, obviously, Oregon is known about is known for its Pinot, right? And you know, you can get you know into the the delicate Pinots. You can get into the little bit of a bigger, bolder Pinot. Then you start dissecting all the different vintages mm-hmm. uh, but then you know there's a chardonnay story right you know there's some crazy amazing uh chardonnays that are happening out here there's also amazing tempranillos there's riesling when you go in the into southern oregon you have all the rhone varietals right so what i what am i looking for is kind of exploring the world of wine through oregon right so when you are looking for what you're going to write in your newsletter, is the is is it more important that the story grabs you and then you do then you do the wine, or is it the opposite or both? You find a wine, you oh my god, I got to find out who is doing Gamay in uh, the Willamette Valley, and uh, how do you do? What's your research like on that? Because you you put out your uh, newsletter pretty frequently, so it's got to be your day to day. It, it pretty much is is my day to day. So, for example, I went on Sunday to uh, a winery called White Walnut, 
and I've heard great things about the wine. So I went there and I, I sat there with the winemaker for 90 minutes and mm-hmm. we just had a great conversation, chit chatted back and forth and his Chardonnays are just freaking phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So it's something that what, what I'm looking for is something that just grabs me. That's absolutely that, that stands out a little bit and just, it is uh, something that I feel that everybody else should should know about. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, and uh, I do what you do as well. I go around and find wine and in different parts of the world and California. And and uh, I do have a rule if I don't like the person for some reason and not like to be personal petty. I mean, like, I just think they're just not a very good person for whatever reason. I find I don't like their wine. <laughs> uh, do you find that to be true? For yourself? Yeah. I'm yeah, not asking no, you to I, name names here, by the way. <laughs> right, right, right. If, if uh, I, I have to like the wine. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's just... Uh, because ultimately, you know, people are looking, you know, for, for good wine to to enjoy. Mm-hmm. And so if, if the wines aren't good, that, that's, that's, you, you got to, you have to take that into consideration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree. So, what? Give me a typical day. You get up in the morning. You've done a fair amount of research on where you're going, and so what? Uh, what does that day unfold like? What time are you up? Uh, how many wineries do you try to see in a day? Um, and at one point, you're going to hit the end, right? Maybe <laughs> have to branch out. <laughs> I, I imagine, right? But give us what that day looks like. Oh, uh, so my my day. It's I'm up at four thirty to five o'clock every single morning. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of boring at first, what my day kind of looks like, because it's very repetitive. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I go to Starbucks, I get my chai tea, then, uh, I, I read all the, my emails and then, you know, I have a bunch of blogs that I follow and there's, there's a ton of wine blogs that, that are in there. So I'll, you know, catch up with what's going on, like in the world of wine and then, you know, the, the smaller blogs, you know, what's going on there. And I'll start making a list of, you know, of places that I want to go. Mm-hmm. And that list just continues to grow and grow and grow. And it seems like it never gets smaller. But uh, normally at that point, I already know where I'm, where I'm going to go. So I've already made reservations to, to talk with somebody, uh, to, uh, to, to taste. And, you know, there's, there's chances I'll hit uh, on, on a, Busy day, it'll, it'll be three wineries in, in a day. So miles, what and is that? A couple hundred miles? No, not at all. No. Uh, so, well, I mean, it, it kind of depends, but there, there's so many wineries that are about 30 to 45 minutes away from me. Hmm, that's great. And I'll, you know, I'll, I, you know, I try to cluster them all together so it's not too crazy as a, for a time schedule. Hmm. And I'll, I'll hit those three and, you know, then I have a little notebook that I have and I'd make just a ton of notes because there's no way I can remember everything. And then come home and more than likely I, uh, grill out something on the, uh, on the grill and just kind of reflect on, on the places that I've been. So tell me what is your most recent brilliant find? Something you just, you're like, wow, <laughs> like I just like, like blew you away. Um, yeah, that certainly happened to me when I tasted the double zero wines, 
their Shard and their uh, Shea Pinot. Shea is a famous vineyard that everyone talks about, but personally, uh, you know, I find the wines to be so dense and sometimes reductive. So I'm like, eh, but, you know, double zero Shards were off the chart to your point about Oregon doing a really good job with Shard. But the Pinot was whole cluster and had a little light and danced to it. And I thought, like, that one blew me away. What is your recent, have you had one recently that made you just like stop and go, uh, this is incredible. Like, who are you people? You know, there, there are, I, I'll say three different ones that kind of stood out to me for completely different reasons. Okay. Uh, the, the first one was, uh, so I, we always have, you know, there's like single vineyard designates, um, mm-hmm. Like Nisa is one of those, but they just recently opened a tasting room. Uh, I went up there and, you know, they started off with kind of the normal pours. Then they poured like a, a 2012. I'm like, wow, you're pouring a 2012. That's, that's awesome. All right. Tasted it. And I'm like, dang, this is still, this is still kind of big and tannicky. It still has a lot of time. Hmm. And I'm like, well, let's pour you an 05. I'm like, Holy dang. Crap. <laughs> and I'm like, holy, and, and, you know, it wasn't as tannicky and big and bold, but it still, it still has easily 10 years on it. If before it even gets into those. So it's uh, Pinot, treasury. right? And yeah. It's, wow. Why is it so big and powerful? Any idea they give you like they're old school. They let it sit on the, on the leaves longer. It sits in bad. They barrel age it for a couple of years. Any day, any insight on that? Um, I didn't get to talk to the winemaker on that one, but it was, it was in barrel for, I think like 24 months. Okay. So that, I think that really, uh, is a big contributor. Yeah. Okay. That's, oh, that's, Um, so that's pretty cool. And they made Pinot, they make anything else? Uh, they do have, have some shard. And what was interesting about the shard is here in Oregon, you know, early on in the shard world, you know, they had the, the Winty clone, right? But they were finding that the Winty clone didn't, um, ripen soon enough and so that you know so then they you know changed to the dijon clone but now we're you know with climate change kind of happening you know the the winty clone you know is going to probably make a little bit more of a of a comeback and so they have some old windy clone you know there on site and it's at the top of the hill and it's uh it wasn't double zero level but it, it was it was still pretty darn good because yeah. i i've i've been going to Oregon for quite a long time and I always thought the uh, shards were so uh, they just weren't well made and um, in New York Bergstrom would have their shard and they would almost give it away because uh, nobody wanted to buy Oregon shard I thought it was good I didn't think it was great but I've seen this whole new level of uh, shard between like the whole evening land crew and uh, Druan and uh, uh, other people Lafon and people coming to Oregon and uh, uh, just imparting their wisdom for lack of any more information than that. And, uh, and I think they've hugely stepped up. Uh, Janie Brooks was on recently and did, uh, we talked about Riesling and how um, Jimmy Brooks was obsessed with finding old plantings of Riesling. And I've, as you know, there's the Riesling is fantastic uh, coming out of Oregon as well. Um, so, so that's Nisa. Who's the other two you, you were going to talk about? Uh, so Nisa is one. Um I, you know, I briefly talked about uh, White Walnut, mm-hmm. the uh, the winemaker. He used to uh, he used to work at Shea and uh, Benton Lane and Archery Summit. Mm-hmm. 
but he uh, he has spent the last mm, let me see since 2005 so you know close going on 20 years of prepping this land by himself building the winery wow. and his his shards I would say would definitely uh, be up there with, you know, with the double zero shard. Oh, very cool. It is, it is phenomenal. And where, where are they located in, in Oregon? Uh, they're uh, on the Dundee Hills. Actually, okay. the White Walnut and Nisa are on that the same exact road. Hmm. Um, the, I'm try- yeah, I'll just say the, the, the Dundee Hills. It's, okay. it's uh, quite a, it's it, it's amazing and Chard and Pino, and Chard and Pino, yes. Okay. Um, and your third one, who was the third one? I'm I'm basically giving all the listeners inside tips and tracks <laughs> of what to be looking for if you're if you if you're following my breadcrumbs here. <laughs> oh, the third one I will mention. Um, so you mentioned Evening Land, and so uh, to me, Evening Land put Chard uh, on the map for Oregon. Yeah. And so the the winemaker Isabel, I'm not even going to try to pronounce her last name because I always screw it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's making wine for uh, another label called Obain. Okay. And so two Pinots and a Shard, and oh my gosh, that's just that it's you know reasonably priced. It's approachable, but again, the, the those Pinots are soft and they're delicate, and you know they have have that rustic kind of feel to them mm-hmm. and that the, the shard kind of comes across the, the same way. And so those, and those vineyards, you know, are out in the Eola Amity Hills. So they get that Van Duzer corridor influence. Mm-hmm. It's uh, that, that, that's another one. Okay. Huh. I just reached, recently had Larry Stone's uh, Lingua Franca wines uh, and uh, taste them with Larry. Those wines are, those are on a different level as well. Those wines are just absolutely fucking spectacular. Um, what, um, if, if you were going to plant a vineyard yourself, knowing, you know, all these different microclimates like the Van Duzer and, and the different soils being the, the jury and the volcanic and the, uh, that stuff, where would you ideally, like if you were going to plant, what, what, what would you plant and where would you plant it? Oh my goodness. Yeah. I put you on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, being, I I like to think outside the box. I like to be a little bit uh, different. Mm -hmm. So I would probably, I would probably not plant Pinot. Okay. Um, Only because there, there, there's quite a bit of Pinot already here. Sure. So what are you planting? Gamay? Uh, I, I, you know, I'm actually, I, I the, and these are going to be polar opposites. I would plant Riesling, okay, and uh, and a Cab. Cab. Wow. And where would you plant it? Because I have a Cab question for you after this. So where would you plant these? Oof. You have a billion dollars. You pick your site. Oh boy. Oh, uh, you know, I, I think I'd have to. I would, I would have to go out into the you know in the Van Duzer corridor a- AVA. I don't huh. have to go off that way. So high elevation, you've got that cool wind blowing up through the corridor. Um, cab, interesting pick. I don't think I, I, I don't personally know anyone makes cab. So do you? 
Is there anyone making cab? Yeah, the, yeah, there are. Oh, I mean, right. definitely if you go into Southern Oregon, there's there's cab. If you go up north, there's okay. there's some some cab as well. Okay. All right. Inter- interesting pick. All right. <laughs> if you hit the lotto, uh, you know, come out and uh, I'll drink beer with you while you plant uh, or you hire somebody to plant. So um, in your newsletter, you talk about uh, sparkling is the next big thing for Oregon. So talk to me about sparkling wine from Oregon. So when, when you hear the Oregon story, mm-hmm. you know, there's always in the world of wine, you talk about how Oregon compares to burgundy and pinot and that whole story right we've already talked about you know oregon is great for pinot and now the shard is really good so Mm -hmm. now we have to like take a look at champagne sure and the the two biggest varietals in champagne is pinot and shard Mm -hmm. so that's it, it is the the next big thing that is happening here in oregon there are more and more producers creating very small lots of sparkling to kind of give it out as a benefit to club members. So are they using like method champenoise or are they making more of a a pet net or or like a, uh, just a sparkling or is it, are they trying to do champagne? They, they are trying to do champagne. So method champenoise, you know, on the, uh, down for three to five years. Wow. And uh, last year I did a uh, Oregon sparkling report that was all method champenois for over 40 different producers. Wow. And I, I, you know, there's no way I can, I was able to get through all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sure. But any like top, top picks for you, your faves that you would say run very close to uh, um, like Analemma does uh uh, a sparkling that I think is I put in front of like people love champagne and it's, it's pretty mind blowing. Um, is there a producer to you just like, wow, hats off. That's really brilliant. I, there are, uh, there are two that really stand out to me. Okay. And th- there's another one that also stands out, but you know, it's, it's kind of in a different class. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, Lytle Barnett is a sparkling only uh, producer. Oh, cool. And then another smaller producer is Corollary. Okay. Uh, they, they are just knocking it out of the ballpark, both mm-hmm. of them. And then on a different level, you know, Domain Serene has their, you know, their sparkling program. They just came out with their 2014 Blanc de Blanc uh, mm-hmm. New Year's Eve. Perfect. It's, just mind-blowing wow there you go so something nobody talks about is southern oregon um why why is that i mean it just seems like like you said there's roan varietals growing down there give us the big dramatic differences between uh willamette and and that area to to the southern uh part of oregon for southern oregon it's they they just don't get as much press. Mm-hmm. I think they're you know they're definitely up and coming. I was down there this past summer. You know there were some killer t- uh, tempranillos that were being grown at two thousand feet in elevation. Uh, it's hotter down there. You know so you get all, you can get those bigger, bigger reds, uh, and just so many different other varietals. It's it, it it's really difficult to 
you know, talk about Southern Oregon a whole bunch when the Lamet when the Lamet Valley just takes up a yeah. huge amount of the conversation. Mm-hmm. But to your point, if they're growing completely different varietals like Tempranillo and Rhone stuff, uh, it's a different narrative, and I think that should pique people's interest. But uh, so, who like? What are some of the producers down there you like, or you can make analogies to, so, so people would understand why they should be drinking wines from the, uh, the the southern part of Oregon as well. Uh, so a, 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 a nice producer that comes to mind is is Troon. Mm-hmm. They are uh, pushing the limits on a lot of you know some of the, the natural wines that are out there in, in that movement. Uh, but they, their, their farming practices, their, when, when uh, trying to think, Craig Camp, I believe is his name, when right. he first took over at Troon, the vineyard itself was just an absolute mess. Mm-hmm. And now they're, they're live certified, they are uh, Dementor certified, and they just got a regenerative farming certification as well. Right. And again, the I, I, I'm making. I, I actually made an Instagram post today talking about Pinot fatigue because <laughs> we, we we do yeah. we get we get sure. fatigued a bit. So you know, with all the with all the Pinot, and when when you can bring Southern Oregon into the picture, and you look at the bigger wine world philosophy, we we have so many different aspects to to, to look at. And just bringing then Southern Oregon to the picture is like going to a different country in some respects. And it's just wonderful. It's right in our backyard. So let me, I'll give you, um, give me a comparison that I'm going to throw at you. Do something similar. Like the uh, Analemma is one of my favorites. Uh, Nate Reddy is up in the gorge. So it's neighboring. Um, they do a Mencia that to me, I was like, it's obviously a little bit of the new world because uh, of the, the fruit that has a little more pop to it, but is so classic like Mencia that's been grown on like black soils. I mean, it's crunchy, it's spicy. It's Mencia always tastes like Gamay a little bit to me and Burgundy. And they do such an amazing job of like, I'd have a hard time going, wow, that's, I, I feel like it's from Spain. So is there producers down there? Like you say, this feels like Chateauneuf de Pop. This feels like a Northern Rhone. This feels like a, um, that you, you had had big wow factor for you down there. I'm just trying to steer people like going into a store or, uh, what should they be looking for? Um, and, and from your, uh, notes here. Oh, uh, I will say I, 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 I kind of suck at, um, not going, not discovering more and more Southern Oregon. And that's mm-hmm. one of the things I'm really, really trying to, to accomplish and do. Uh, but I had a, a Tempranillo from a producer called Waysinger over the summer. Oh, okay. And I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to recall the, some of the notes that were on it, but it was, it, it, it would be to me what you would expect, you know, to, to get in, in Rio, Rio, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Yeah. It's, it, it gives that, just that sense of, of pleasure. It gives that sense of those, those darker notes that you would expect right. because, you know, Southern Oregon being, being warmer and, 
So when we're talking about warmer, like give us the temperature difference. Like you leave your house and you're down south. What is there a 10 degrees? Is it 20 degrees more hot? Uh, so, so for example, the, you, you still get uh, like at night, it's still like the, the temper differentials, you know, are still there. Mm-hmm. But like right now, uh, up here in more of the Willamette Valley, it is maybe uh, maybe fifty degrees right now, and it's nine forty-five in the morning. Right. Uh, Southern Oregon, it is probably a good sixty to sixty-five degrees right now. Oh, that's a big difference. Yeah, that's a big difference. Um, wow. Okay. Okay. And I could see why they're doing Tempranillo and Rhone varietals and. Um, all that kind of cool stuff down there. Um, you you mentioned the the natural wine movement. Are there any natty wines out there? Anyone doing like zero zero, very low sulfur that you would say is a natural wine? It's got to uh, be happening. I mean, Teutonic sure close to that. Teutonic is very low sulfur, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but there's got to be other producers out there. I imagine doing that, right? There are, and I will say, I probably don't seek them out very much, but one that comes to mind (laughs) uh, is day wines. Mm -hmm. And uh, the winemaker that's down in Troon used to work at day wines. Mm -hmm. And so he's taking that whole philosophy from day and, you know, putting that in, you know, at, uh, at Troon as well. Right. So day spelled D E Y or D A Y D A Y D A Y. Okay. Um, It's interesting to me, the, um, uh, like Washington wines have had such a hard time getting a foothold in the market. They, they seem to be terribly misunderstood. I think the wines are spectacular. Um, it's a desert basically. So there's a lot of high heat and big alcohol, big wines. Um, but then you had somebody like Swick come into the market that is more natty as we were just dis- dis- uh, describing. And they seem to be doing really well. They're in a lot of places because I think the natural wine movement doesn't really care where the wine is from as long as it fits a certain script. Um, so I would, I'm going to say that I think that there will be kind of an explosion of this in Oregon. Um, it's happened everywhere. I think day is there. Teutonic isn't, I, I wouldn't say funky, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if people start making like pet gnats, which are very hard to do <laughs> by the way. Uh, but uh, yes. do you, I mean, you see, do you see it on the shelves there or, or you think is definitely just more uh, people buy the classics? I, I think it is definitely available to, to find. Troon has a, a, a sparkling pet mat, which is right. very interesting. Uh, but you know, I, I you know, I I haven't seen too many pet mats. Right. So at one point you're doing all this uh, traveling around Oregon, and uh, do you go into Washington at all into the gorge? I've done a little bit. I need to do more. It's mm-hmm. just it, it's so hard to go to drive further when I can only drive like thirty forty five minutes and mm-hmm. have quite a fun day. Yeah, yeah, no, true. But uh, uh, so you're probably quite known now. I imagine going in out of wineries. I mean, the people I know know you and know of your newsletter, which is that means you're doing a great job. Um, but, uh, that's why I was wondering, do you, do you start heading into, uh, in Washington just to find, uh, just to keep it moving, I guess. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I will probably move it in, into Washington a little bit here and there. I think one of the things that I really want to strive for is 
uh, kind of be in the Oregon wine ambassador and you know for the world of wine. It's, mm-hmm. it's really what I what it's what I'm trying to achieve. That's cool. And congr- congrats, you built an app. So obviously you have some tech background, wine notes, W E I N uh, notes. And so, uh, how long did it take to get your app together? And if I if we logged on right now, what could we find on it? Uh, so you know, we talked about being in the uh, tech industry for thirty years, mm-hmm. and you know, right now my I've I've been doing iPhone apps for the past thirteen years. Mm-hmm. So it was just natural for me to to build my own my own app where you can actually go in. I have a, a featured winery, you know, that I feature every single month, and I create like a little loops that uh, you know I suggest, and then like little themed winery trips that you can go out and explore during the day. Um, but also, you know, it's the basic gist of it is finding wineries to go because I, I wanted a tool for myself to kind of keep track of where I've been, where I need to go and, you know, a recommendation engine, you know, basically for, for wineries. Oh, that's very cool. How long did it take to build start to finish? I think I spent about seven months on the initial launch. You know, I'm constantly improving it and doing more things to it. Uh, and initially I was going to launch it, uh, May of 2020. Right. But, uh, you know, with winery shut down at that point, I was like, oh, well, I guess I need to wait a little bit. Right. Um, well, cool. AJ, we're at the part of the show where I ask people, uh, uh, God's very busy. He doesn't have time to, he's old, so he doesn't know a lot about tech and he needs an, uh, an app built for, uh, heaven and hell, and he's going to call you up <laughs> to heaven, but he's going to say, hey, AJ, I'm going to give you one more day on the planet. I want you to eat and drink uh, and listen to a great piece of music before you come up here. So what are you eating? What are you drinking? And what are you listening to as you float off the Dundee Hills into the clouds? Uh, so what I'm eating is a bacon-wrapped filet that has been uh, reverse seared on the Traeger wow. with lobster tail. Wow. Very good. And then I am popping open a bottle of 2017 Corollary Brut Rosé, Montazi Brut Rosé. Love it. And then I'm listening to um, it, it's oh man. Either Foo Fighters, Guns N' Roses. Um, okay. Yeah, we'll just go Guns N' Roses. Yeah. Guns N' Roses. Okay. All right. You going to let me pick the song? <laughs> I'll let you pick the song. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, hey, man, thank you so much for being on. And I want people to be able to find you, find your newsletter, uh, Wine, W E I N uh, uh, Notes, um, your app we just mentioned is there any other place people can find you the probably the easiest place to find me is on instagram okay. uh if you search for oregon vino country okay uh you'll see me there and all the links to everything else is right there on my bio fantastic thank you so much for being on dotj podcast yes thank you so much john i really appreciate it see you in oregon thanks again for listening 
Don't forget to check us out at dotjpodcast.com. Until then, I'll see you at the bar. Bye.